You are now listening to The Jason D'Amico Show. Greetings, folks. Welcome back to The Jason D'Amico Show. And uh, coming at you via YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, Simplecast, all those fantastic platforms. And we've got some really cool guests, as always, on the show. These guys and I kind of go a few years back. Our guests are, or they create real music for real people that represents and embraces freedom. Their music is about everyday life and the challenges it holds. They've been nominated for the Grammy Awards by the Recording Academy for their single Too Far Away for Song of the Year and Best Pop Duo or Group Performance. Their musical journey has taken them from, or to perform at Music Fest, Murley Fest, The NAM Show, Nashville Guitar Fest, OBX Festival, Norton Arena, as well as many others. They've opened up for Charlie Daniels and played an event with Dale, Ar- Dale Earnhardt Jr. Please welcome to the show, the Moore Brothers. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Good to see you guys. I'm, I'm really digging the uh, psychedelic type of thing going on, and I love – that's the classic recent Apple uh, screensaver. Never fails. <laughs> Right. This is uh, we're coming to you from our studio, our home studio set up here where we do all of our writing and start, you know, the, the songs start, they start right here. Well, that's, that's great that everything's in house. Um, have you guys always done it that way for the most part, or is that more of a recent thing? Cause I know you guys, and we'll, we'll get into kind of the change of sound because it, it went from more blues and bluegrass to now really you guys are doing kind of a mainstream thing. Yes. So like we've cut records and I think there's one studio in South Carolina. We've cut one on Music Row in Nashville. That was kind of more the acoustic stuff. But the last, uh, a lot of the last stuff, it starts with the writing here and then me kind of composing and putting the sounds together to get the right vibe. Right. And from there, we'll run it through um, some producers and, you know, that kind of style. But a lot of it's kind of in-house based stuff. Um, so it's, sure. I mean, the reason we do that is because it gives us creative time. Um, a lot of times when you're in studio, you're having to, you know, go, 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 go. But we can actually take a second and, you know, sit here and think about something or, you know, what kind of picture are we trying to paint, that kind of thing. And it allows us to really sculpt that song into exactly the best form it can be. I totally agree. You know, I started, I started building mine in my teen years, and it was – at the time, I really didn't know what I was doing, but it was uh, – best decision I could have made because you're right it's uh it it just gives you space it gives you room to breathe you can do whatever you need to do whenever you want to do it and it really kind of takes that pressure off but sometimes the pressure is good it just depends on the situation that's right that's right well you guys have a lot of cool things going on right now um I do want to dive back into your beginning stages though, and kind of talk about how you got into music and however you want to, wherever you want to start from. Well, uh, way back, I started on acoustic instruments about six years old. Um, here we're from Hickory, North Carolina, and here there's a lot of acoustic Americana blues, that kind of stuff happens here. Um, not too far away from Charlotte and Asheville. So it's, kind of cool to have that music diversity and to be able to get to both of those cities pretty quickly. Um, but what happened is, is they would just go to festivals and just really take in the scene. I was like, 
um, you know, that was something just I was really drawn to. And I was actually uh, homeschooled, and they have people come and test you when you're homeschooled to basically see, make sure you're on track, especially when you're younger, learning everything. And he told me, he's like, this kid's a super auditory learner. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And you need to get him into music. So between my interest and already love for music at that age and then having that kind of set with how I'm designed, then that's when I kind of started. So ever since like six or seven, I started and then just been getting it from there. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, through that, we ended up, by the time I was eight or nine, I had started um, playing on stage. I think when I was 11 or 12, by that time, Isaac had started also because he's, he's four years behind me. And he was playing with us on stage, and we were playing anywhere from 80 to 100 shows a year when I was 12. <laughs> so you can imagine how crazy that, that was, you know, just traveling and going over the place. I think we were playing 15, 16 states, so mainly like the East Coast, that kind of stuff. But um, it was a lot of great experience and met a lot of awesome people, and that's definitely played into – um, my writing today and a musical taste also. But from there we went to, um, we were kind of playing that. We went through a phase of playing a lot of Almond Brothers jam band style stuff with our right. electronics and that kind of thing. And from there it just kept shifting to, we thought, you know, I started writing a lot of pop stuff and we recognized that. And I think uh, what draws me to pop is it's so, int- it can be so intricate, but also so very simple. Right. And trying to figure out how to master or I don't think, I don't know if anybody ever really masters it. You kind of just evolve, but it's trying to figure out how do you have this, you have this complex piece of music and, but make it simple to where it gets the message across. If that makes sense. There's all these different instruments. I think the last track we did for this, what you wanted, it was over 120 tracks. Right. Right. What, uh, what were, who were some of the main influences for you with the pop transition? Uh, I would say probably like Chainsmokers, uh, Maroon 5 was a big one. Uh, you know, we kind of have our own sound and what we do with it, but right. those are different influences that kind of shape what we are and how we're different. So, Sure. Also like The weekend. I like Bruno Mars yeah. all day. He's, he's the man. And um, a lot of those guys, they have their own take on, you know, their sound and just learning from that and, um, I think the collectively between those artists and hearing that and then everything I've been through the last 10 years of playing, you kind of just develop this, what you what you like out of things. And then that becomes you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, as far as like blues and bluegrass earlier on, some of those influences, if you had a few that really were pretty similar um, for you. Thing is, is like with us, and we played some blues festivals, and it, we really enjoyed it. But on the grass side of things, the, the deal is with that is we never really were true grass. We were always on the edge, mm-hmm. and that, that comes with controversy in a lot of ways. But you know, we just the thing is that when you're, I think, when you're musicians, that and also for me being a writer, you want a platform that you can totally be super creative and not, you know, have to worry about does that work or doesn't it? You, I kind of want to just portray this voice of what I hear in my head and what my brother helps me with. And, you know, he hears also trying to get that out. And uh, with grass, you know, I love it, but you have some instruments that you just, they're set in what they do. Right. And for me with this, with pop, see, you can go all the way. I can add horns in, I could put, you know, strings in, 
You can have synthesizers, all different types of drum stems. There's so many things that you can do as a right. So as a composer, it was a really attractive to me that there's all this limit. There's no really limits on the creativity and what you can put into a song. And that's, I think another big reason that that transition happened. And it's just really opened up a lot of creativity for myself and I believe too. Yeah. And also, yeah. Like, and also now that we've, um, in mainstream, I can tell you that that's where my heart is meant to be. Uh, out of all the genres I've ever played, that's definitely my number one. And Jake's too. And you know, as writers and creating music, that changes the moments that you create and the vibe and just the presence of it. And that's super important to have. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, prevalent, and I, I, I really see it's. You guys have found a nice like comfort zone with this. And that's, and that's the thing too. It's just interesting. I think as musicians, if for the musicians out there, it's also, but when we started, it definitely wasn't because you here we come from acoustic music and you come into this world of synthesis and samples, but also some acoustic elements. Right. So it, it was a learning curve, especially, you know, the last several years to get accustomed to that. Cause um, you know, when you start acoustic music and the way you record and work through that is very different from, in a lot of ways from, you know, mainstream music. So it's the, the combination. So the, the cool part was is that even though it wasn't our super most comfort zone at first, through, the hard, through hard work and listening and being very intentional about um, what we're learning and focusing on, it's really allowed us to become comfortable and then also give our voice and our take on that type of music. Yeah. Well, let's talk real quick about what you wanted. Uh, love the single. was listening to it earlier. And how, what was the creative process on that? Well, it's been a long one. So what happened is, <laughs> I was like, oh. but no, like it kind of started. It's all, it's like, let's see. It started last fall. Okay. And it's a relationship based song more so like, so as a writer for me, love kind of just writes its own songs and that's right. just a great, you know what I mean? Right. It's like Prince. Yeah. I, I was I was looking at a. I was going through this Prince binge, not to cut you off, but it's it's relevant. Wow. And uh, he said something about like each song is like a girl that walks in the room. You don't know where it's gonna go, but she's just there, and then right. it's like, then it just happens. So it's it, I never as a songwriter myself. It's like yeah, he's kind of right, you know, because it. Anyway, but uh, I, I feel <laughs> I feel exactly where you're coming from with this. Yeah, so like that's that's kind of how it started, honestly. And the thing is, is that I feel like writers, the songs that really hit me the hardest are the ones that you can feel it's written off of experience, and mm -hmm. it's like very real, um, very real stuff. So it kind of started like that, and I started putting the pieces together and getting a feel for it. Um, it's pretty fast, up tempo song. It's floating around about 135 BPM in there. So just getting a feel for, you know, melody over that and all that. And that started into the process into the fall. I had one version of it that was a little bit slower, but I was like, you know, we're going to have, I need to tweak this. Something's not quite right. So I ended up, I sped it up, kept adding uh, the parts to it that it needed and just working on it. And then probably by um, New Year's, it was done. Mm -hmm. The thing is with recording and the way a lot of this works is, and also having to release a song, you're kind of really hearing me from six months ago, nine months ago, 
because the t by the time you get through all the process of everything, the mix and the mastering, which we did for, we did all the mixing and the mastering in house. Um, I did the mixing and the mastering and my brother, he does the producing for helping me listen in another set of ears. To really right. Hone in all that. right. Um, it feels like when you're EQ on 130 tracks, man, 120 tracks, the thing is, is that that's a lot of, that's a lot going on. Right. So another set of years is valuable. That's a really good thing to have. Um, but after, after about new years, it was pretty much done. And then you just go through the process of figuring out, um, how you want to release it. And then, you know, that kind of process. So, but it's been, it's been a really fun song to work on. And, you know, when you're, for me as a writer, being able to, you know, write the lyrics as they are and just portray that personal experience. I think it's really cool to write that, see the process, and then also see people really enjoy it and how it impacts people for good. So, For sure. And Too Far Away, another single, that one came out a little bit before what you want. That, that was the Grammy-nominated track, I believe. Yes, that... Yes, and that one I was actually—that's another one. That's another love story there. But, <laughs> but <laughs> it's—I'm telling you, man—that's how you write. That's the, that's where the songs are at. You know what I mean? Un anyway, unrequited love, man, it never fails. That's what I'm saying. Well, too far. It fails. Away, it fails you as a person, but it doesn't fail the music. <laughs> exactly, it never <laughs> fails the music. Me as a person, yeah, definitely. But it was—I um, was on a tour bus in Florida. And with another group down there playing Hammond like keys. Right. And I was like, um, I was sitting there cruising along and I just had to get these melodies start rolling in my head. I, you know, cause being a musician, I play a lot by ear. So most of the time when I'm improvising, I'm hearing all the notes before they happen. And then right. I play and I'm like, you know, eight bars, whatever ahead of actually what I'm playing, which probably sounds crazy, but that's what a lot of musicians do. And so I was sitting there, I kind of had these melodies. So I ended up, we're at some, this house, like on the beach with all this canal around us and stuff. And I, one of the acoustic guitars were laying around, people were jamming on it. And I just started playing it. And I was sitting there, I was like, okay, you know, da, 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 da. I'll say, oh, I like that. And then I just started, you know, strumming that chord progression. And it just really clicked. That song I wrote in 15 minutes and it was done. Yeah. It was one of those. And there was a couple other people in the room, like listening to what I was doing. And like, it just gave everybody like these cold chills. I don't know if you've ever listened to a song the first time or heard an artist and you're just like, gives you chills or just really moves you. But like that moment, there was a moment there that happened that was just like, whoa. Right. And it, it was really powerful. And it's like one of those moments as a writer, I've not felt many like that, you know, and it was just really powerful. And ended up one of the lead singers for that group came in there and I like, I just hummed the melody to them and showed them what, how to sing it. And they sung it and I played it and it was just, I actually have the original voice memos from that, which I thought yeah. was cool. That's but cool. It, ended up, it was just, yeah, it just, it was crazy. And then ended up, we pitched that to our producers and then um, we did, that was all from in-house. I'll tell you what, we had our, that actually set up I had then in the studio. I bought my monitors from, the auto in an auto zone parking lot off of Facebook marketplace. The Yamahas. Yeah. I had some like row kits, which was what I started at when I was in college um, with Berkeley. I went through Berkeley college music with production. I had those for a couple of years and they're great, <laughs> but I just need something I can hear my mix better. So I got a marketplace. I'm going scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And I'm like, Hey, this is a good deal. Right. So I hit the guy. Then I'm in the I'm in the AutoZone parking lot buying monitors, and then three weeks later I mix the song up, and I, that's what that's the one you heard. 
So I worked. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. I'm like, this is the AutoZone. I call it the AutoZone mix. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're they're always the best. Always the best. I know it's got it's the AutoZone mix, and I I still have those monitors, and I, I plan to keep them. You know, just to have them because I thought I always thought it was pretty interesting. But yeah, here here comes this guy off of Facebook Marketplace, and I'm just buying these monitors from him. I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> I, I've tried. I've I've lost count of how many things I've gotten off of craigslist at this point like <laughs> or sold you know right. flipped it, it's it's outrageous it's got to be over 50 items in the last couple of years <laughs> and then there's also reverb.com which is incredible as well yeah yeah so that's kind of the story on that how it took place and then um i was to finish that up just for a second um sure. i released it and then we had our weird video come out a month or so later. And then I was on, get ready to go on stage in Raleigh, actually, for a big festival. And my agent out of New York, he called me and he said, I got news for you. And I'm sitting there trying to warm up. And you're like, right before a show, I don't know, you probably can relate to this, but you kind of get in a mindset. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're kind of getting oh, yourself yeah. ready. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You're kind of getting in the zone. It's like, it's go time. It's, you know, and I feel like people in sports do that too. You yeah. Know, they're kind of. They're getting ready. They're like, boom, it's time to go. Pre, pre-game or, you know, whatever. Yeah, so I'm getting my pre-game. I'm getting ready. I think I was playing bass that weekend. I don't remember quite, but I was sitting there, and I talked to him on the phone, and I'm like, he says, I got news for you. He says, you've just been nominated for two Grammys. Well, if anything's going to mess up my pre-game, it's probably going to be that. Right. <laughs> so I sit there going, crazy, like, ah, this is crazy. I was just felt really blessed, you know. Like it's, yeah. that's, a huge, that's a huge thing at – let's see at the time 21 and 17 you know that's for us and getting started in this genre the way it was that was a huge kind of moment you know really cornerstone for us as we were moving forward but anyway that was a great gig i had a lot of fun playing and stuff the band actually announced it from stage and that whole weekend the buzz started and everything started going crazy um so it was a really fun time but uh yeah it's just been a crazy journey on how, how that's taken place and then see that fall, when that was announced in September, and then see October somewhere in there is when what you wanted started developing. For sure. But while while we're on, uh, we'll, we'll talk about production real quick. So you went to Berkeley. Uh, were you was that like an online program, or did you do the? Yes. Yeah, so okay. What I, what I decided to do um, when I was seventeen, so I graduated high school in three years as a junior. And then I started with my first year of Berkeley College of Music when I was 18, or my senior, technically my senior year of high school. I started a year early. And I, my main uh, major is music business and music production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they work in, you get certificates all the way up to a bachelor. So I had the highest certificate that they offer before I had a BA. And that was my main focus. So I did music business, which had a lot to do with licensing, um, also publishing, a lot of those kind of things, some tour um, logistic kind of things, just right. a lot of general business. And then the production side is what really sparked a lot of the electronic and pop also because all of my um, professors were all mainly electronic and um, pop kind of people, like doing a lot of synthesis and stuff. And in Logic Pro X, there's so many create. It's such a creative space that it just really promotes itself to do that. So that's kind of also how I started my training to get into that. That and a lot of YouTube videos, man. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, like, and that's how a lot of producers, like, if, even if they don't go to school, that like, YouTube is so powerful on picking up bits and pieces. That's how I did it. Besides, you know, a couple internships that yeah. I got lucky to uh, be a part of. Right. And that's the thing. And for me, see, in our area here, I have, it's not a huge deal, but I'm like an hour and a half away from any major style pro studio, really. So with that being said, you know, I'm a little bit isolated in some ways, but with between the school and then YouTube, that's been my path to get there. Um, But I I definitely with you, if you can get hands on learning with somebody that's, you know, doing it all the time and is a pro, that's also super, super valuable. You learn a lot very quickly. And it's funny because all the, all the big mentors that I had um, late teens, early twenties for me were, uh, they wouldn't answer all the questions on purpose. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and at the time it really didn't make any sense or just, it, it kind of seems standoffish, but then you realize it's for your own benefit because if they see, if they see that pilot light within somebody else, they're, they're not going to blow it for them. They're going to allow them to go through the, the path themselves and really self-develop and self-actualize and really find that inner voice. Yeah. And that's the thing. I've run into that a lot with even all the way from some teachers all the way into studio. You know, it's a very secretive almost kind of community. So like when a, I feel like when a mix engineer, master engineer or producer, they get to a certain spot in their career and like they just shut down. Everything's very secretive, which that's totally understandable right. because that's their brand and that's what they do for a living. So they're protecting their knowledge. But like for me, my whole goal with this is that I've picked up all this knowledge and I will the rest of my life continue to learn. Yep. And for me, anytime I have people hit me up on Insta or anything like that, asking me questions about certain things. You know, I'm always give them just the answer how it just how it is, you know, and for me, I'm not really worried about them stealing my technique or my idea. Right. Um, For me, if I share that, that's going to make me grow because if everybody's doing that, I'm going to have to find the next. And I think as a musician also with me teaching, like somebody's like, how do you play that lick or like wagon wheel? How do you do that run in wagon? That's what I hear all the time. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> don't get me started on wagon wheel but yeah. great song just overplayed for me but like you get into that and i'm going to show them that because it's going to force me to learn something new and to be better you know so i think it's part of that process of so i'm always i think it's super valuable to share the knowledge uh if you have somebody seeking it and you can help them that's important yeah i totally agree, totally agree. but in a real world how it is that doesn't happen very much so <laughs> right and i feel like though the the great ones the, from what I've seen, they have no problem with showing the tricks out of the bag because they realize, like, it, you can have. And here's the other, here's the other side of it. You can have 50 engineers in the same room, and even if they do the exact same settings, for some reason, it's still not going to be the same. It is, and like I heard, um, I don't know if you've heard CLA. He's a mixer out of California. Yeah, Chris Algae. Yeah, absolutely. So like the other day I was listening to one of his uh, interviews or something he was doing. He was talking about a mix is like an opinion. So everybody has their own opinion. And, you know, of course his opinion of a mix is very refined and, you know, he has, he's got his, I think it was 6 million to set up his studio that he uses. Mm -hmm. So like his opinion is going to be very clear, very defined and very professional. But as a mix, it is an opinion, as you said, you know, so you have 50 people, you're going to end up with 50 different, styles and sounds really 
even if you had the same gear. Well, and, and yeah, and the CLA thing, it's like that, that's a perfect example because there's mixes where I think it's like, man, this guy was the only person for this project, period. Right. You know, you think of like American Idiot and you think about a lot of that, a lot of those just like timeless, timeless records. And then I'll, I'll sit there and I'll hear some stuff that he's done that isn't as quite as well known or maybe he took on a, a band that, you know, like I'll use Creed, for example. When I listen to the old Creed stuff, like to me, that's Creed. Yeah. But then when I listen to the CLA mix stuff, it's like, all right, cool. Yeah, it's obviously a CLA mix. But it doesn't sound like Creed to me. You know what I mean? And it's not anything yeah. against CLA. It's just the fact that, that Creed kind of had lower fidelity mixes earlier on, and I'm just kind of used to that with, with the sound. So yeah. it's, it's a weird – it's a really weird – I don't need to tell you this. You know how it is. Like, there, how many times does the first mix win? You know, you just can't get it any better, and there's stuff that's wrong with it, but the vibe is there, and, and you keep screwing around with it, and you start losing vibe, and it's like, oh, the bass is too loud. Yeah, but that's what makes it amazing. You know what I mean? It's just – it's a really strange, and it's a never-ending paradigm. And it's a balance, too, because, like, modern-day um, mixers – see, he's, like, on SSL console, which is, right. you know, and channel and all that. Most of the time out of Pro Tools or some kind, but um, – because there, I don't think many people – not many people are using tape. That's kind of a very – I think – doesn't he use, like, half-inch or something? He, I mean, he, for different groups, he's doing different things, but I've okay. not seen him in Pro Tools, and he's routing outputs right. through his console. But I've seen uh, – it's really interesting, but all the modern mixers, like – our generation are a lot of in the box mixing, yep. you know, and that's kind of the go-to a lot of it because it's a tech thing also because the financial thing also because like SSL consoles run about hundred K. <laughs> so on the low end. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a generous offer. On the low end, that. man. <laughs> that's a lot of records to cut them, you know, cover that. But um, yeah, it's just really interesting. I think as you know, he has his own opinion on his mixes and all these mixing engineers and, you know, including you and Amy and myself, we all have our opinion on a mix. Yeah. So I think there's certain opinions that are going to be better in different genres. Absolutely. So, you know, he has yeah. his genre and, you know, he does what he does like he does it. Like and then, yeah, exactly. He's like a rock. He's person. the, he's the only guy that I know that can saturate the shit out of a vocal and it, and it just works. Like right. the way he's, the way he does it is just, it's just, I, 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 you know what I mean? I've never heard anybody do that type of production before. Oh, I know. He takes like old 76 compressor and just smash a vocal and then you yeah. know, saturate like you're talking about. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. Like, it's, it's very, just, and it's very, it's very gooey, but I like it. You know what I mean? It's, it's very, yeah. very, very gooey. Whereas I'll listen to, um, because Bob Rock's like my guy, Bob Rock's, my all the motley crew and metallica stuff and that like that the stuff that he was doing that is just like oh my god um where the vocal is v not as compressed and it's more I, I don't know what's you know it's just different and but there's again there's so many tastes there's so many opinions i think everybody's just trying to get to the same place but everybody's got their own path on how to get there that's right and i was i was watching uh an interview with like a recent, like a pop guy that's, you know, 
doing a lot of releases and stuff. And he was talking about, he's also a producer and he was like, you know, the thing is, is that if you have that sound in your head and you know what you're wanting, you right. can use, it doesn't, if you have a certain grade of plugins and a certain grade of hardware, you know, once you get to a certain point, yeah, there's so many paths you can take to get that sound. It's yeah. just knowing what you're familiar with and what you're comfortable with knowing how to get the sound out of that. And it's like for him, he knows his hardware and his board. And so do all these, you know, these people that are in full time, they know their gear and they know what they can get out of it and how to sculpt that sound. Now you'll probably smirk, but, uh, it, it, it doesn't it get amazing though. Like you go through that journey. At least this, this is what I'm seeing now at least. And I don't, I don't know if you're, if you have the same philosophy on it, but you go, you, you, you do ever you, you go through it all. And then things start happening where, and I think maybe just the mixes get better and there's less that you're doing and yeah. it sounds even better than all the crap you were doing before. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wait, it actually is just a U47 into a 1073 and it's just limited. Right. And, that, and, it just, and it's just like amazing. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, yeah. it's pretty – that's where I'm at right now where I'm, I'm kind of like dialing things back because I, I was doing a lot of – I don't know what the hell I was doing with a lot of things. Just trying <laughs> different things out, you know, learning, yeah, yeah, learning yeah. the – you got to yeah. do that. Yes. But uh, – it, anyway, I just thought you'd get a kick out of that because I'm sure you've yeah. seen that too where there's certain things, it's just, it, it's like, oh, wow, I don't know why I have to not subtract EQ on this or I don't know why I have to do this or why this isn't bothering me. Oh, I'm definitely, I'm all, I'm all, what well, you're talking about, like that creative, you know, working through sounds and instruments and finding combinations. I love that. Yeah. Um, even like for Too Far Away, we had some really weird combinations that nobody would ever guess. But that's kind of what just made up the sound, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, who thinks to run, like, a piano through a guitar rig with pedals? Oh, it's great. Like an acoustic, like an acoustic <laughs> piano, not even yeah. an electric. An acoustic actual piano sampled, run that through a guitar rig, and then cut all the lows off. Instant energy. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's, but it's, you would never do that in real life. You know, you're not going to take a Steinway and then run it through a little guitar pedal. <laughs> Like, it's like, it's like, let me hit overdrive. Right. <laughs> gonna right. In the production world, you're just trying to, it's like, I see it as a canvas. Yes. And you have to paint the lows, you have to paint the mids, you have to take high mids and the highs, and you have to make all that work together and paint the picture for the song and fit the song. One, one little quick tidbit, just because I've been dying to like talk about it. And I feel like this is a, an appropriate time to bring it up. And it's just, it's a small little thing, but, uh, again, on the Prince, Prince binge, I'm not sure why I'm going through that right now, but, uh, there's, if you listen to little red Corvette and you listen to that vocal, it literally sounds like an API channel strip is about to explode. And I'm not, and I'm, I'm really, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where it is. If it's on the, if it's on the board, if it was something going on maybe a compressor or whatever but there's like a tube dying or something on the bus on that vocal bus yeah and it's just like this thing if if he can if he can do this and get away with it you the world is your oyster as far as engineering and production like if a little red corvette because now the next time you listen to it you're gonna you're gonna hear exactly what i'm talking yeah. about like yeah. a little red corvette 
Because it wouldn't be the same if it didn't have that. There's like, it's just so human, like listening to yeah, it. Sure. Yeah. It sounds like it was done in 1968, but it's in the mid 80s and everything's like really, really clean in the 80s. And it's like, wow, Prince is just coming in and totally, <laughs> totally unhinged. I mean, yeah. And that's the thing too is like in those consoles, you have every channel's not the same, even right. if it is. It physically looks the same, but each one has tonalities and harmonics and certain saturation. And that there's all these algorithms that if you ran it through a computer, you would see. But see that circuitry and how everything's made, there's different channels. And a lot of these guys, they go through and they find their channel that, that they want a certain instrument on. So like CLA, uh, 17 is always vocal. <laughs> so like he knows and he's got his setup and everything's lined up. So they'll listen through to that. In the box mixing, like, you know, what a lot of people do today, it's, it's mm -hmm. very different on working through. A lot of times we're having to add tapes and add saturation to get that right. get that sound, and that's a little bit different of a sound. But, yeah, it's crazy how even there's a bunch of recordings, you'll hear stuff like that. Or even, like, if you listen to the weekend song, The Hills, like, if you listen to some of the saturation and the atmos atmosphere that's happening in that, it's, it's, out, it's pretty crazy. Like, if you heard it by itself, you would say – no, that's not in a song, you know, but then yeah. you put it together and it's just part of the picture. I love listening to stems, you know, you can learn a lot from the, anything that you can find on YouTube that's yeah. stem oriented and it, it's just amazing. You'll listen, it's like, wait, what? Also, and then, yeah, and that's the thing too, for people out there um, that are, you know, starting on mixes and learning how to mix, you know, there's resources for finding um, stem files, which a stem file being, you know, individual tracks that have been bounced out normally as WAV files. And there's resources to where you can download those WAV files and mix in your platform, Pro Tools, you know, whatever you're using, and learn how to mix and not even have somebody come in and record. And sometimes I feel like that's a great strategy for somebody learning because you've got good pro-level recordings. So the recording part's good. And now you're just mixing and learning how to use your plugins. So that's definitely a, a good resource to check out. This is good stuff, man. This is uh, this is the stuff that I, I really enjoy talking about on the show. I mean, we have we have a wide range of artistic guests, but especially whenever whenever the musicians are always there's a lot of a lot of camaraderie. But the musicians that also engineer and produce, it's just like game over. You know, it's automatic, <laughs> it's automatically like a three hour episode. Hey. Um. Well, while we're on all this, and we'll we'll start wrapping up here, but your your philosophy on what you guys are doing in the bio, it said something to the extent of music, real music for real people. Um, you want to elaborate on that a little bit more, or just talk? Yeah. So for us, like especially in today's time, I think like real music, it's like raw. It's not basically stamped. Mm -hmm. It has like expression and emotion is super important. I mean, I, I believe that you have to have that to make a good song great, first off. Yeah. But you take moments throughout. I think that's creating real music. It's not fake. And then that kind of radiates with real people because you know it's real and you can relate more versus, you know. So I think that's kind of the whole gist with what we do because it's really raw. I think Too Far Away was like 15 bounce out references and you know changing stuff and that's where it becomes real you know each and every sound is part of your 
basically your heart and what you feel and shaping that. Uh, and I think, you know, that's why we bounce out a lot and reference a lot because it's important to make sure that it's real and that it has that air about it. Otherwise, yeah. it won't really be, it won't really go anywhere. It won't take anybody who listens to it anywhere. So that's really the whole goal of the whole thing. So Cool. Best and worst gig experiences. Oh, we don't have to use any names. Okay, we won't. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Could be fair warning, you know, for other patrons that are on the gig trail. Right, right. One of the best ones would be, I think, what year was that, Jordan? Was that 2018? It's 2017 or 2018. You know, first off, before I say all this, I never, I always thought when I was growing up, like when I talked to musicians and they didn't know where they were at like a certain year or they didn't really know where they were at, you know, two months ago, I always thought that was weird. And now, <laughs> now, now, now you get it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, a lot of people, they're just like, you know, what, how did they not know? But the thing is, is that when you travel a crazy amount and then you pour yourself into writing and that's your focus and you're just like working and you're yep. marketing what's going on. That happens. Just saying that's a disclaimer. This is for people. Oh, it, it does. It's a real deal. And the re- I think, you know, that's so much highs and lows of going, when you go up on stage, you know, you have that adrenaline rush and then you're gone. And then, right. you know, in the studio, you're working and focusing and that's a long time that you're having to really focus and make sure everything's together. So I think that clouds the time, time in a way. But anyway, probably the best would have been, um, we uh, went to Dorton Arena. So the North Carolina State Fair had this like giant band contest. Mm-hmm. And this is when we were, you know, transitioning some. We were a little bit more, I would say, jam-ish, kind of electronic maybe, but more jam so Like, maybe a little Americana, but Almond Brothers, wow. rock, a little bit more rock influence, I would say. Um, and that's another thing, too. We, we're evolving. So we've evolved to where we're at now, and this has been, I think, our home. But through that whole period of time, see, we're constantly evolving. So sometimes it's hard to put descriptors on this of, you know, us evolving because certain pieces start coming in and certain pieces start leaving. So it's kind of trying to explain that, but we've settled into pop and uh, this is our home now. And we're really happy to be here, but we played Dorton arena. I think was that three years ago, three years ago. And it ended up, we got through this giant vote to the top is like hundreds of bands. And then we got the top 10 and then we got to the top three. And then we went to Dorton arena and played, um, and we actually were the small, we were only a four piece and everybody else was like five and six piece bands, but we won the state band uh, championship. Wow. So we went down there we rocked the house and we ended up and I was what, I was like 20 or I was like 19 or 20 and Isaac's like 14 or 15 playing all the lead guitar stuff and singing. And we won the state band contest down there. So we were North Carolina state band of 2018. Uh, for the year so that was like that was a pretty big deal yeah um, our drummer was like a local guy a great friend that you know he were he's a mechanic most of the time but he's played his whole life and like, he was our drummer and our bass player it's been with us a while so it was really cool how that just came together um a lot of that's i think some of that's on youtube and stuff but it, it was a lot of fun but that was probably one of the best shows we've had and we also played the etsu uh arena about six months later and that was for a William Graham crusade. So that was really awesome. To be part oh, of wow. That. So we got, we opened it up and that was, 
it was streamed a thousand, it was thousands and thousands of people in the arena. And then I think several million online. So wow. that was like a huge kind of, wow. it was a blessing just to be a part of that. Worst gig. <laughs> you have a twin reverb in your guitar rig, like a twin Fender twin. Uh, I, I had one. I sold it. Okay. So you know how loud they are, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean I had, the one I, I had, had was like eighty-five watts. Yeah, I had a, a ninety-five twin. And oh my on, god! It was on a six for <laughs> both those shows. <laughs> so big. Well, yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, for people that don't know about like that amp and style, basically a six. If you put it in a little room, it basically blows the windows out. Right. Uh, it's that. It's <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Apparently, so guitar players, you can turn it around backwards. Volume is it. also tone. That is a conception that I've. I've it tried. is. It is. Yeah. But it is. <laughs> you gotta be clean though. It's so. It's, it's so. It's so true though. Like the only. I mean, the only thing, and I. I've been doing this for a while. The only thing that I've found that I can actually keep on two, and still have enough. Is the my Marshall JCM eight hundred? Oh yeah. The preamp all the way to ten, and the master on two, and I have a a four by twelve cabinet. I don't use the original cabinet with it with the seventy fives. I use another Marshall cabinet with thirties, <laughs> and that works. <laughs> but that's the only thing that works as right. far as like I can go into a fifty or a hundred person club and not get kicked out. So, yeah. I, you know, and, and it's still, it still sounds like a damn Marshall, you know? <laughs> well, getting but, kicked out is the fun part, dude. <laughs> right. Yeah, except when you don't get paid. Oh, that's, uh, not, that's not the fun part. You just got to work out the net that in for all that happens. You know? Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> but, uh, no, I had, I had a Fender Twin, and I recorded a lot with it and played out a lot with it. But uh, I ended up selling it. I just I kind of went more of the Marshall route, and I I ended up getting a Kemper for the studio and doing a lot of cool things with that thing. You know, it, you go you go through stages. I was heavy into the SRV and Hendrix thing, so I was doing a lot of Fender. I've got still have my Fender basement. Um, so you know, but yeah, the Twins are really really great amp, loud as hell, crazy, yeah, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I carry like so he does that and like when i was playing keys at the time i carried a fender rumble 500 watt basing <laughs> and i put that that's two tens i put that on top of an 18 oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what happens is like you're I sit there playing like hammond or synth or whatever it is and that 18 man it's like right yeah. do you what do you do you play around with like the Fender Rhodes bass at all? Like kind of that Ray Manzarek thing with the left hand? Do you have one of those? I don't have the physical unit. I have like a modeled unit that I'll play on. Like a simulator. Yeah, I'm a yeah. very soft synth guy because I'd rather have a laptop and have all these presets that are like perfect. Um, right. I can take a controller or two and I can, you know, use my Well, especially in what you guys are doing now, I mean, it's kind of like the only option. Yeah. You know. But that, I mean, all that stuff's crazy good. I love it. But yeah, I used yeah. to hold that amp around and that, that thing's like as tall as me. So it was all <laughs> your grills, you know, and you got two tens in that 18. It's just pumping. 
But, so uh, what 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 is the actual worst gig? Probably uh, that beach, that facility. Yeah. Okay. This is a really <laughs> strange one. Are you ready for this? I, I we'll we'll find out. It's just perfect for him because it could be like him. The radio. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we ended up <laughs> <laughs> this guy. We're down here at this beach place. Okay. This is and been I, like it, seven years ago. Yeah, this was like seven years ago. So this is like. Just when you say beach place, it's like the the, the tone is already set. Yeah, it, it's gonna get worse. So like, yeah. we get there and it's a radio show. Okay, so all these people come into this dinner theater place and it's like a two night thing. We play both nights, and we get halfway through the first show, they're running through all these scripts and stuff we're supposed to stay and do, and we're like, they're not actually on the radio. Okay, for one. <laughs> so, like, it's fake. And they didn't tell us until we're like, I figured it out about halfway through. Because I'm like, there is no way this is on the radio. Right. So, it's like a, a fake thing already, even though they acted like the whole thing was on the radio, even though it's not. But then it gets sketchier <laughs> than that. We stay upstairs in the green room, oh, and boy. then they stayed out in the bus. So, our bass player and I, we're sleeping in the green room upstairs, okay? And next thing we know, it's 2 a.m. And we're like, Gary, just, you know, go to sleep. The vacuum cleaner in the kitchen just randomly turns on. <laughs> and like, <laughs> our bass player freaks out. So he like grabs a broom and he runs down the stairs. And like he tries to find that vacuum cleaner. And then it like turned off or something happened. But it was the weirdest stuff. <laughs> like really strange. And wow. we played the next night and then we just drove back. Because, like, we didn't want to stand out night there in that crazy place. <laughs> but, dude, that was crazy. You know what crazy. I mean? I mean, fake radio show in the middle of nowhere near the beach. Vacuum cleaners turning on randomly. I mean, <laughs> you got to wonder. You probably top that. Sounds, sure. sounds like a good time. Yeah, it was a great time, man. <laughs> That's, a rock and roll. That's a rock and roll story. Yeah, no, that's good, man. That's good. But also, like, we've had times where, like, it started rain is my enemy. Right. Like, I like rain if I'm in the studio and it's, like, outside. But when I'm outside, right here, and it's, like, a big stage, and it's the sides it's going to pour, I don't like that. That's another thing. So like, The Fender Rumble doesn't like that. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't need to be seeing water vapor shoot out when I'm playing. <laughs> like, that's not – this is not that'd the be water good, That'd be good for a music video, though. Oh, know. I know. This is not the water park. I don't want, I don't right. want that happening. You know what right. I mean? I was trying to think if there's any other – That's why I got a big 150-pound case. Yeah, so he's got this big case he puts his in. That's what happens. It's like 150 pounds. It's so, ridiculous. It's like a None of the case or – None of the amps yeah. matter. The drums don't matter. All that matters is his guitar and his amp. That's right. all that matters. So when the rain starts, where's Isaac? Is he's there helping cover stuff up? No, his amp's already in the van. And his guitar is like, he's pretty much eating a snack. Wait on this. You know what I mean? I, I mean, drums are pretty resilient, you know. Yeah. Cymbal, cymbals and drums are, are, are pretty resilient. The, the guitars and anything electronic, that's got to – that that always takes first precedence. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's been crazy, and there's some other ones too that have been like really random. What's, right. it, what's your worst one? What's your worst one? My worst one. Yeah. Oh man. Um, 
<laughs> put me on the spot here. I think this is the first time. Uh, this is like we're we're at ninety something episodes. I think this is the first time that that question got thrown back at me. Um, <laughs> uh, we gotta talk. We gotta hear about these eight mile bike rides too. Before we yeah. Go. <laughs> oh oh oh! Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Riding the bikes. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy out here. There's a lot of you know that they, they don't call it Chapel Hill for. Say, are you wearing a mask, or are you just kind of aerating the whole area? You're talking crazy. <laughs> I've got a hazmat suit on, man. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. okay, I'm the. They they call me the biking astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> now there's nobody out here. It's pretty desolate, so I, I don't think a mask is required unless unless uh, uh I actually. In other news, I have 40 bug bites currently on oh. my thighs. Okay. And I'm not really entirely sure how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, I know, all, I know, all I know was we did a campfire a couple of nights ago. There were s'mores involved. They were amazing. And uh, that's probably at some point during that evening, that's when that happened. Okay. It's pretty bad, man. That sounds like it's not very comfortable. It's not. It's not. I've uh, been sitting in this for the last hour, so. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock on. Rock the rock star way. Oh, rem- actually speaking of which, yeah, I guess that would be a pretty bad gig. So, I actually so I got um it was really weird. It was this is how crazy but it happened. I had this like MRSA infection on my arm. Woo! And I think I have pictures of this. Like I got it from, I, I don't know where the hell I got it from. I was on tour somewhere and I was playing with somebody else, came back and then I had my own shows and it was horrible, man. Like the thing just, to- it was just, it was just disgusting. It took me like nine months to get rid of it. And uh, I had this wrap on, and uh yeah played played a show like that that was that was pretty crazy i mean it wasn't it wasn't nuts in the sense like the show was normal but just having to deal with that you know while playing um there's always those like 103 fever 103 degree fever you know pre-covid uh not covid (laughs) (laughs) just disclaim that uh you know those shows um i i know i know i'll remember things like when, as soon as we end this and there'll be amazing stories that I just am blanking out on right now. Um, I'll see if I can remember some more. Let me, let me, let me ask you guys this though, real quick. Uh, faith component. I don't know if how much you want to talk about it, but uh, how that kind of goes into your creative process, your thoughts on it. So, like, for us, we're Christians, um, and we it definitely plays a part. We want our music to be uplifting, and, you know, as, like, the bio part says, we want it to have, basically, our music's very clean, mm-hmm. and we try to keep, we like to keep it that way. That doesn't mean that we can't tell a story, or, you know, right. I think it's really cool that we can tell the same stories, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you can't let kids listen to. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Sure. And like, there's something to be said for that. And I, I, I value that. And I also like locally here, I will help do some sound design and stuff for a church when they need me. 
and right. you know work right. that as well. But it's definitely a huge part, and I think our faith and you know being Christians that's what keeps us balanced, and that's what also yeah. keeps us rooted. I've seen so many musicians they start and they get a good start, and then you know they don't have that rock and that you know what keeps them grounded and then what happens from there is you know you'll see people all the time they just fall off the wagon or you know drugs alcohol all these different temptations that are out there on the road and you know you just have to be strong through that and you gotta you know being a christian allows you you have that you have that on holy spirit in you that helps you dis- discern what you need yeah. to know and you know and that's just a super part of us being on the road and it just helps us overall with everything in life it's just it's really important that's great. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something, but I forgot. But I remember what I have. A, I have a good gig story for you. A, oh, I was a, good, a good, bad gig story for you. So we were playing this biker bar. Uh, already, already, you know, you can kind of get a sense of that. So, and, and this was out in like Clayton, North Carolina. I don't know if you guys have been out there. It's like, really far east almost by the beach yeah maybe i think it sounds familiar yeah so pretty desolate not couldn't tell and this was back when i was uh 18 19 and around that time i was doing uh kind of like what you guys said like 100 120 whatever shows a year i was i took a gap year from high school to college that year i played playing like three or four times a week and uh yeah i couldn't tell you how we got it couldn't tell you how how we were there we were just there and it was it was great in the sense that the room sounded amazing um we do the first set take a break get back on and i notice there's this guy who comes in the the uh double door and he starts flailing around. Oh, man. Starts doing this weird and – and at first I was like, all right, cool. This guy's, like, really into this. But then it goes, it goes on for a, a little bit too long for it to be normal. Right. And, we're, and I'm just kind of looking – we're, like, jamming out on Hendrix or something. I'm looking over at the guys, like, you know, what's going on here? And uh, this dude's obviously cracked out or – something he's on he's on something guys not not totally with us yeah not totally with us uh so then about five minutes after that he just bolts right out the door all right cool so then about 10 minutes later 15 minutes later there's this woman that comes in and I don't know why she was coming up to the bandstand like we own the place because we clearly didn't she she's like trying to talk to me while we're playing. Like, you gotta do something. You gotta you gotta do something. He's out on the road. We're like, what what are you talking about? He's out on the road. And she's like, no, he's like out on the road. You got it's like, lady, listen, we're just the band. Like, go go talk to the manager or the owner. So we end up like stopping. We we stop playing and we go outside. This guy is towing the double line on this dark back road somewhere in east north carolina right where this venue is and the ex-wife or the ex-wife is like i i don't know if that was the woman that came up to us or i I don't think it was the ex-wife 
was like screaming at him, you know, you got to get off of it. So this guy's like trying to commit suicide or something during this whole thing. And it just, it was just, it was, it was the weirdest thing. And we're sitting there and nobody's getting him off the road. That was the strange thing. So, I mean, we, it was getting to the point where the band and myself, like we were about ready to go get him off the road, but then uh, either the ex-wife or somebody went out, got him and brought him in. So, so here's the thing. Would you say, would you say that he was in the purple haze? Yes. <laughs> this guy, this guy was, this guy was uh, either in the purple haze or, or, you know, maybe a foxy lady on the inside and going through some crazy turmoil. I, dude, I listen, I have no idea, man. This guy was the Texas. Was, flood. I mean, there's all kinds of things he could have been going through. Right. I mean, it could be the Texas flood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, so that, that's one that comes to mind and I'm sure there's other ones as well. Uh, <laughs> that one was just crazy, man. Just that's crazy. Cool. You know, I've been I played it wasn't with the with the Moore brothers. I played with another group and literally somebody in the audience, they had to call an ambulance and somebody it was a big old audience. Somebody it like kind of really killed the mood when the sirens come in and they're like taking somebody out in a stretcher. Yeah. Like, that really kills the vibe, you know what I mean? <laughs> that happened that happened on my end actually with a jazz gig. Uh somebody we know and it wasn't my group, but uh, and, and it was actually it was it was it was too bad that it happened at this venue because this is, it's a really high end venue in Raleigh and uh, the organist just started passing out and literally like passed out on the keyboard. And it, it was shocking, man. It was really shocking. And EMS came in and it was, it was crazy. So that, unfortunately that band never got hired back because it was just, it was just so shocking, you know? I was playing with a band near like a it was like a college auditorium kind of thing, and it was an, it wasn't the Moore Brothers, another band. Because um, I do some utility work here and there. If I have spots open, I'll go play for fun. But uh, it's a uh, we're sitting there playing. And it's like good. Everybody's into it, right? And then the fire alarm goes off in the nice. middle of the song. Nice. So everybody <laughs> has to evacuate. And this is like over a 30 minute process. So we're in the middle of the song and they can't, we can't decide if we should keep going or stop, but it's like the fire, whoever comes in and they're like, they get everybody out of the venue. 30 minutes later, we go back in and we play three songs and that was the end of it. It was the most awkward thing. because like, we have right. left and evacuated this building. I think it was like some birthday cake upstairs or something. They have other areas and something that has set the fire off, had to evacuate. Then we come back in and we play again. And then that was the night that was kind of, that was a strange one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we set off a fire alarm one time with a music video shoot and it was, it was pretty bad because where we were was connected to this two story multi like strip. Uh, it was like a high, not like a strip mall, strip mall, but like a really high end kind of like boutique shops, like, you know, like high end place. And, I think we, we evacuated like 500 people and we're still in there getting our take because it actually looks cool with the strobe lights and the smoke and everything. And it's not going to be on audio anyway. So it's like, who cares? So we actually got a good take with it, but fire marshal showed up. It was pretty bad. Um, that sounds like a, that was, 
But that was some, you got some real live stuff in your video. That's what matters. Yeah, yeah. I'll, se I'll send it to you guys. It was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was the same, same band that was on the Extreme Tour. We shot that a couple of, couple of years ago. That's fun. Um, but yeah, man, future plans for you guys uh, as far as what's, what's happening next and kind of navigating the COVID, your thoughts on what's going on. Um, for us, we're looking at another release later in the year. Um, continuing, I'm always writing and you know working through like normal on uh, getting the next material. So we're looking at an another release later this year, um, and just you know keep on keeping on with that kind of stuff. Continue to develop, learn, grow, you know all those kinds of things. And also we like we're putting out you know videos, playing over the song, and having guests and stuff. So it's kind of fun. Uh, the live scenes definitely change, so it'll be interesting to see how that yeah. you know, decides. Um, to go, but it's going to be um, the whole industry will is shifting and it will change. It will not be like it was two years right. ago. Right. A lot of people that you know are having to purely live off of uh, performance income and gigging. They will have to, you know, it's all going to be a whole different way because yeah. the venues are not going to probably pay the same as they were just because the people will not be the same and for a while. I feel like at least. Do you, do you think it's ever really going to get back to the way it was? I think so. Um, you know, if you think we had, I looked back, we had a giant flu kind of thing in the 1920s and right. it was actually far worse right. overall from the casualties and the things that happened with people passing. That was far worse than this. I think this is going to be, this is more of a fear than it is an actual. Yeah. It was going to say media, media influenced and yeah, whatever and, powers you know, it be. And it's definitely affected people, and that's when I'm not taking that away from anybody. I know that it's it is serious, but yeah, I think it's also we need to keep in perspective about you know make sure we're all researched up and knowing exactly what we have offered to us as facts. I think within a couple of years it'll be it'll come back to normal with people like on especially like the Nashville Strip. That's why I know places like that are really hurting. Right. You know, there's right. bars that have fans in every venue. You know, you go you walk down through there and you know, they're playing eight to two and that's their income. Right. And you got to figure that that's going to be highly affected because they're making money of all, off all the tourists that are coming through and saying, you know, they're hanging out. They're on the Nashville strip. That's the place to be, especially if you're in town. So, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate that and, you know, get some of that income going back. I think that's going to be the challenge for a lot of musicians. Yeah. Well, I've got I've got a fun little thing I like doing at the end. I call it the shootout section, where I'll say a word that's industry related to the guest. And uh, well, since there's two of you, you guys can take turns firing back, or whatever, you know, however you want to do it. But uh, uh, yeah, you just say a word that comes back comes immediately to mind, or a phrase. There's really no right or wrong answers. Uh, oh Lord, <laughs> here we go. Piano. <laughs> What's the, what'd you say? Piano. Awesomeness. Guitar. The best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, vocal mic. Tone. Bass. Muddy. <laughs> <laughs> Drums. Loud. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, song. Great. Lyric. Story. 
That's a good one. <laughs> Solo. The best. <laughs> right. <laughs> ten minutes. Ten minutes long. Um, um, blues. Sadness. Rock. Hard. Uh, <laughs> pop. I think electronic. Mm. North Carolina. <laughs> oh. He's going to think about this one. Good. Good. <laughs> I threw I threw in a usually I, I usually that's it, but I threw in a couple more. Um, EQ. <laughs> oh, EQ. Let's see. I was shaping. Yeah, yeah. And if you want, if we'll we'll also add on if you want to say if there's any like favorite go to for you or whatever, you know, you can also throw that in. Okay, go tos and. Say that one more time. It broke up. Uh, yeah, if there's a go-to piece of gear or plug-in or anything that uh, you kind of like, a- anything that you enjoy dabbling with for the last however many months. Um, I like Waves. I like UAD. Yeah. Um, I like, let's see, who else do I use? I use some other just like weird kind of just off brand name stuff but i like a lot of waves and uad that's my that's the bread and butter kind of everything yeah um and a lot of it and the thing is is that they both make apis they both both make 76s they both make a lot of the same emulations right the uad um i've used them some but i i can't say that they're better than waves but i can't say waves is better than them if that makes sense i want to lean towards uad the problem is it's just for people out there you have that dsp processing so you're going to have to have um, DSP chips in the interfaces or in like a satellite unit. Right. Right. Plug runs off of. The thing about waves is you can run it off the host computer. Right. So even if your windows or Mac, you got 32 gigs, 64 gigs, 128 gigs of Ram, then you're not, you're, you're going to have plenty to do what you need to do normally. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I did the slate everything bundle a couple of years ago. And, uh, as far as like, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible series. And because uh, I've had waves, I've had uh, other just and and like I, I don't even know where the I think Sheps, I think he's yeah. with Waves and some of the some of the some of those guys they have yeah. their wave licensing. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that Slate bundle, man. I, I like really, Slate a lot too. I have, yeah. I have they have a good. Uh, it's a saturator. I forgot the name of it, but it's I think cool. I think in the in the in the saturation world, as far as virtual, I can't find anything that beats the stuff that he put. The, the the things that he puts out are just like they're they're as close to analog, you know. Without the, but then again, I patch in my LA two A and Poltec, and it's game over. So you know what I mean? It's like. And everybody has their own. That's why I was bringing this up because everybody's got their own thing. And then it's like, you can AB stuff all day long, but then as soon as you patch in that analog, it's like, oh my, it's like, it, it doesn't even. <sighs> well, that's the thing. The other thing too is like, if you're going to invest in gear for people out there that are like, you know, maybe starting recording or they're wanting to upgrade to get to the next level, like you need really good monitors and you need a treated room and you need headphones. That's like, you start there. Because the thing is, you can have all these plugins, but if you can't hear the stereo field, because what happens is the lower end speakers, you hear this much. 
the better speakers, you start hearing more. Everything gets wider. And when I mean that, it's like what you can actually hear. Right. The, the speaker's not compressing the sound. It's actually, it's all still the same. So don't get me wrong there. But what's coming through the speakers, you can actually, I can pick apart a mix way easier on my current monitors than I can my monitors from four years ago. That's because, like, instead of it sounding like this, it sounds like this. It's a whole lot easier to pick out pieces when it's this wide than when it's here. AutoZone. Auto yeah. zone. That's what I'm saying. Those auto zone mixes, they're wide, man. That's what it's about. <laughs> auto zone. <laughs> uh, delay. Oh, delay. Oh, this is yours. <laughs> yeah, he's actually wide. Yeah, he's like delay. Wide. Baby. Wide. wide. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. I've been doing it's. I I was I was into that for a while. Recently, it's been either none, or it's just like freaking tape delay down the middle, and you can barely hear it. <laughs> you know, the the wide stuff. I like it when it's offset. Yeah, it's that ping pong yeah. thing. You guys probably do a lot of that in your genre. I do because what happens is is that you can't have everything. So clubs normally are mono a lot of times. So mm -hmm. you have to have your heart and all that in the middle. But see, everything else is stereo speakers, you know, ear, ear pod, AirPods, whatever they're called. You know, all, all your, you know, stuff that people are normally consuming music through. So you want to keep, the goal is to be as wide as you can, be as thick as you can, be as clear as you can, and also have the depth. Right. So if you, you can almost look at it as like a big circle and it's in front of you and you've got your width, you want to go as wide as you can. If you go too wide, when you get on a mono system, your mix is going to sound like trash. And what happens, yeah, because what happens is, is that you're too, it's too wide and you're losing all that frequency, that signal that's panned left and right because it's not in the center. So you're only going to hear what's in the center of the mono. So it's really tricky to paint that and get that right. And the other part about that is when you have, if you're playing like this, the end part of the song has about 30 tracks running at one time-ish. So to fit that in there and to make that work and to layer that, you're going to have to create some stereo space and you got to make decisions. So for me, if I have one synth over here doing this rhythm, I'm, and I might have another synth over here doing a similar rhythm that will work together. I'll pan those off different directions, try to get them the same timber. So they're the same kind of intensity and right. that will balance this. If I put all the harsh stuff over here and I put all the really mellow stuff over here, that's probably not going to feel very balanced. You know what I mean? Right. The, the driver in the car, he's going to be getting his ears blown out. And the right sound's going to sound like he's underwater. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then the driver turns it down, and then the guy on the right side, he doesn't even hear what's going on. As I've, as I've said to uh, folks before, MS is always fun until you listen to it on an iPhone mono speaker. Right. Because <laughs> I literally can make your guitar vanish just like that. Right. Poof. Right. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you're like what the hell happened it's like yeah. it, it's it's incredible it's it's amazing um because the stereo and 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 talk about reference mixing like you guys were saying earlier uh that was one thing that i started doing with the the iphone speaker i would just take it and listen i, I honestly would just start from there with referencing because that tells so much you know, can you still hear yeah. everything on the left and it, right? I, I, it's almost like I stopped doing MS stuff entirely. 
with mid-range things because it it uh, even just ticking down things a couple of dBs, a few frequencies here and there, you gets a little weird in the middle. You know, if you're just yeah. listening to it in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And then like the other thing is like treating your room for right. people starting to record. Once you change monitors, it takes a while to know what the right sound is sounds like for your room. So you have to kind of learn your room. So I knew with what you wanted, like whenever we're mastering or whatever, when the mix get and the mix, once you mix it, when the master gets to a certain point of where no matter what changes you make, it doesn't necessarily satisfy you anymore. Right. In the last time, if you can't make it any better and you're just repeating, repeating, then you know you're ready. You know, right. you know it's done. Right. But you have to know what the room sounds like. So basically like on the 10th bounce out for what you wanted, I knew based on how it sounded in the room that it was right. I just knew that. And you want it on monitors, depending on depending on how many heads you have, you want it to kind of sit on the outside of the speakers. So that's kind of where, you know, if it sounds like it's way out here, it's just too washed out. You kind of want it to sit on the edge of your monitor. So when you're working with stereo field and width and widening stuff, you want to try to get it out a little wider. And depending on the other thing, depending on the genre of music, that does change. Yep. You know, for pop, you want it super wide because you got a lot of wash back Movement. and forth. Versus rock, you want it out, but you kind of want the meat in the middle. And depending on your genre, that does change, you know, and then who's mixing it because everybody has their own opinion, you know. But that's it's interesting. Like that. So. It really is. It really, really is, you know. And just throwing on maybe a, a chorus yeah oscillating thing even if it's like seven percent or five percent on the mix knob that sometimes fixes whatever you're trying there's always there's always it, it, it never ends yeah. <laughs> it just never ends hey jay he laughs all the time because i know this room so well he says you can't hear a half decibel change on automation I can hear a half decibel. No, you can't. It's not possible. No, it is possible. I can hear (laughs) – I can – yeah, I can hear stuff that's um, (laughs) 0.1. And I'm not – I'm I'm serious. Like, I'm totally – I will literally (laughs) – I will literally – no, this is going to sound really stupid, man, but I I actually do this. I will put on – at t- because and I don't understand why Pro Tools doesn't have to the hundredth decibel. I don't understand why because on consoles they all have they're all at like they they have hundredths in their in their algorithm. So I will put on like a slate if I have to. I will put on a a slate uh, uh, plugin. I will not use it for anything but just to tick something down. Point zero three, or point just because it's driving me crazy. I will do that at times. Yeah. Oh, you can hear it, man. I, yeah. I I'm in the eyes of countless on that one. You can you can hear it. We're, and it will drive trained. you crazy. Hey, we're trained though. He's not trained. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I guess Berkeley. I guess Berkeley isn't isn't trained. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You know what he normally does? I'm in here mixing. He's just laying on the floor on Instagram. Like, and then, that's, and then, but that's the magic. There's always yeah, that guy. There's always you. that guy. Dude, you, you know you are? You're like the Rick Rubin of the room. Because yeah. he just sits around, lounges, or you just got to <laughs> grow out the beard to like down to here. 
what people had CLA hasn't even figured this out yet. The floors <laughs> were the red. <laughs> you gotta get low. Yeah, you gotta get low. You gotta get low, man. You know, like the Indian on the railroad listing for people. Well, who was didn't did, didn't the guy uh, with Marvin Gaye? Didn't he like play bass under the piano or something? Like he would literally sit underneath the piano and play <laughs> yeah. bass. See, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, if you're ever your mixes, you need to make sure you lay on the yeah, floor. Lay on the right. Floor, get a reference. Yeah. Get a reference. That's hilarious, man. That's that's hilarious. Uh, compression. Um, I I try to use it sparingly. I mm -hmm. think it's important to keep things together so it's not super dynamic, but. If you over compress, you've lost. Oh, in this genre, other genres you want to smash compression sometimes, but like. Well, it just, depends. I mean, a lot. You, a lot parallel. I'm sure when, once you started doing parallel processing, the whole world changed. Yeah. Right. It's and unbelievable. I, I always do that for vocals, definitely, and like some of the other instruments. If they're really high quality, I don't have to because they're very already controlled. Right. Um, but I do know that for compression, you just. I normally am just going through and just getting a feel. I'm. I try not to compress more than. I would say three to five dB normally on peaks RMS. Um, it just depends though on what the song needs and the sound and where I'm trying to fit it. I really use it as a mixing thing, honestly. So if something's like really hitting, if it's good everywhere, but certain peaks are hitting hard, I'm either going to use uh, an EQ that has a compressor in it that I can do, do just that frequency. Right. I'm going to go through and take an actual compressor, uh, set a general frequency band, and it'll it'll feed off of that and kind of help tame that down but that's what normally happens and that's like with most of the time with higher scents a drum wise i like just some warm some like glue so i'll just normally talk in like a db to 2db i might even run all the drum parts onto one bus and do the compression through that so i get some synergy right but one, what you don't want to do if you have like drums multi-track is you don't want to normally let everything have its own compression and its own dealio unless it's needed most of the time i like to take I'll EQ those channel scripts and such, but then I want to put all my, my reverb, any delays and compression. I want to have that on one bus that has everything. Cause it's like right. glue. Right. You've got all these drum pieces together, but you want to glue them with that compression and that normally. And also I put, you put compressors normally on the master out too. That's just like a DB to two DB. That's going to really just pull everything together. It's all, it's all in stages. Yes. All in stages. You know, uh two more reverb space the circle, <laughs> circle, the circle. i've never i've never heard of that i've never heard of that one before i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna start i'm gonna start thinking more in those terms i've never <laughs> thought of that way listen you talk to me long enough you'll have you'll hear all kinds of terms oh, that's gosh. never been heard i think those i've got some out there terms man i still i still think the floor is the winner <laughs> that's that's definitely that's the best man that's definitely gonna be a promo clip <laughs> <laughs> yeah your, your next music video you it's you're in the studio the you're in the studio with your next song just on just on the phone yeah and then the next scene you're laying on the floor listed you know right right <laughs> uh saturation warm yeah all right, the, the most important one, pizza. Cat, cat, pizza cat. What? Pizza cat? <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah. I cat. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be a story to that. But I think, like, I think toppings. Like, I've had, Top I've had there in Mississippi. <laughs> I was at, wait a second, I was down there near the Gulf playing some music down there in Mississippi. I was like an hour from the Gulf. 
here comes they. I know some people are going to hate this, but they like come out here and they got barbecue on pizza. Oh yeah, it <laughs> okay. works sometimes. Don't it really does. It. You try it, man. If you like barbecue <laughs> and you like pizza, that's a marriage that's a lasting marriage. You know yeah, I mean? the barbecue chicken and all yeah, that. Yeah. It was the real stuff, you know. Pulled off the. It was good, man. <laughs> the cat. I'm trying to figure out where this is coming from. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just thought a cat. I just thought a cat. I yeah, see this kid <laughs> laying on the floor. Laying on the floor. Thinking about cats. You just thinking can't about explain. cats with pizza. It's guitar players, I'm telling you. They're <laughs> better than bass players, man. We're, we're better than bass players. <laughs> <laughs> we might not be known. Nobody knows who we are. <laughs> but if we're not there, you know it. Like, if we're not there, you know it. Because that guitar sounds real thin with that little low end from the bass. Uh, another Prince reference, just because at this point it's ridiculous, but when doves cry, there's no bass. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm, again, it's, and there's other a kiss. There's no bass on, oh, on when doves cry and kiss. And it, I, I'm baffled. I'm alarmed. I had somebody else mixing a song, a couple songs for a band last week, and the guy's like, and like he's not the head guy, but he's the bass player, so like the head guy kind of makes the calls on what he wants in the mix. But I was sitting there, he's like, "You're gonna turn my bass up, right?" <laughs> and he, like, he's a real, just a very straight faced person. I'm like, "So you're gonna turn my bass up, right?" I said, "Whatever the mix needs, that's fine." <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Listen," he says, "I says all bass players, they all want to hear the bass really loud. That's all they want to hear. They think that it's all about the bass. That's what right. they say." He's like, yeah, because it is. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I said, okay. So I cranked his bass pretty hot. Not too hot, but just pretty. It was there, you know. Well, you know, you know what the trick is with that, right? I mean, and I don't need to tell you this. You just get yourself that nice little SSL channel strip EQ. Get that puppy at 1.5K and slam that thing. Right. It's like, oh, you want more bass? All right, we'll give you more bass. There's no bass. It's just mid-range, so you can hear it. Now, the other thing, too, right, right before we go, I want it for you, like your desk. If you want a harmonic, have harmonic balance, there's a couple things you need. <laughs> okay? So. Cats and pizza. No, you need a little turtle. Yes. Made out of seashells. Okay. You need the White House. <laughs> <laughs> this is America, okay? You need. America. You need a jellyfish in a glass. Oh, that's good. That's like you go to the beach, you get a T-shirt. That's going to last two years. This thing, 50 years plus. Yeah. I mean, the pros and cons. This, oh, this And the weight from this is what's going to harmonic. It really changes the sound of the desk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Then you like an old beat-up S tube screamer. That's for kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that thing, that, did, you guys, did you guys ever listen to Typo Negative at one point? It probably has because the uh, that that looks like the album cover. You need lava lamps, more than one. Yes, <laughs> and that just sets the mood, man. You're I only have crazy. one, man. Listen, you got yeah. next level. I got I gotta step that game up. That's what I'm saying. Because what happens <laughs> is you get, you get all these crazy lights and get the right stuff going, man. You're mixing. That's, that's where the, it's that's all where it's about, man. It's not about what what you're doing. It's not about the music at all. It's just about no, the. I'm telling the you, I bet Prince. I bet he had six. I, I bet I bet Prince had freaking tigers running around. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he was Mike Tyson before Mike Tyson. 
Exactly. <laughs> so that's some of the things you need on your desk. To yeah. for great. And also, if you have long hair, you got to have a hairband laying around. Right. You can't sit there. This hair's over your ears. See, that's cutting out your high end. You it's, 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 it's an it's a automatic low pass. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Hey, just you give it to the bass player. Yeah, exactly. Or, or don't give it to the bass player. Yeah. You got some of that chicken fat on your desk to keep that hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you keep your hair so fluffy? Yeah, how's that hard? Dude, I just woke up like this. I'll be totally honest with you. <laughs> Literally just woke up like this. I was going to take a shower and kind of gel it back, but I was like, you know what? The hell with it. <laughs> Some dapper I, I took a shower. Well, the reason why I took a shower last night and it was still kind of wet when I went to bed and it was just kind of, you know, doing its thing. Hey, you, you just get some of that dapper Dan, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have, uh, I use the, the crew. It's got Elvis on the cover and it, <laughs> it's just perfect. Yeah. The king of rock and roll. I, you know. I mean, come on. Come on. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, this has been great, guys. I've got one more question that I ask everybody at the end, which is if you could go back in time to your 15-year-old selves, knowing what you know now, what would you tell them? I would tell them, stay focused. Keep getting it. And I felt like we've done that pretty good throughout. But what happens is that you just it's really hard to know your vision at that age. Mm -hmm. So once you figure out what your – what you know you're designed to do and you have you found your calling what you're passionate about whatever that is that could be music or whatever it is once you find that calling that passion you need to make sure that you just pursue that so whatever time you're going to put to that when you have that time to it pursue that with everything you have yeah and then i would say like <clears throat> i would say enjoy the journey because the destination is going to come yeah and that's in anything you do uh you know like don't miss out on that growth period even though it's not always fun because the end's going to come so it's important to enjoy that journey because that's shaped who you are yeah and when it's over you know what I'm saying? Right. so it's, instead of smell the roses smell the pizza bro right and right and stay on the floor yeah, yeah. exactly and yeah. get all the lamps and jellyfish i'm gonna order pizza and get a cat <laughs> and, and talk about music and make music into make uh, the sonic field of music into shapes circles yeah I've always, I've always seen, I've always called it the black canvas just because that's just kind of how I am and high and low and I think, you know, grainy and clean and all the, yeah. But I think a lot of people see it that way. I've never heard of the circle. Well, <laughs> you're talking to the AutoZone mix. So. You are? Yeah. Yeah. Get, get in the zone. Get in the zone. <laughs> the mix zone. Get in the mix zone. Yeah. <laughs> where uh, where can everybody find you? We'll have everything in the description box, but for those viewers or listeners that are, uh, I don't know, the gym or driving or something and are um, lazy and don't want to hit the description box. Like iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, uh, Deezer, all your main platforms such as that, and Amazon Music. Um, we're also, we have a lyric video on YouTube that has the song and all the lyrics to it. Um, and we also, we have a link that we share that we'll share with you also. It has, it's basically has all the major platforms where you can click on it and get right to it quickly. Okay. So cool. we'll get all that to everybody, but yeah, any pretty much a uh, major platform, all you have to do is search, uh, what you wanted more brothers and it will come up. Awesome.
Yes, Any sir. last words for you? Work outside the circle, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Get in the zone. In the zone. Hey, hey, our next music video will just lay on the floor and do a do this with our yes. hands. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this has been great, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on. Um, looking forward to the new content. And uh, you guys have been watching, listening to the Jason D'Amico show. Yeah. Be Thank sure so to check out. Me. What's that? Thank you so much for having us. Oh, yeah, guys. No problem. Uh, you guys have been watching and listening to the Jason D'Amico show, the Moore Brothers episode. Definitely check out their music and the new things they've got coming out in the works. And uh, stay in the zone. We will. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you on the next one. Peace.